0: And I'm Rebecca, and we are Mama Bear Apologetics. We're just two gals talking about life's big questions from a biblical worldview. Because when it comes to the battle of ideas, we need to be able to say, mess with my kids, and I will demolish your arguments. You mess, I demolish. Got it? Capisce? (laughs) Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's.
1: Here's the quote that, that Chesterton and I just want to read it. Um, How can it be a large career to tell other, other people's children about the rule of three and a small career to tell one's own children about the universe? Wow. How can it be broad to be the same thing to everyone? And narrow to be everything to someone. No, a woman's function is laborious, but because it is gigantic, not because it is minute. I will pity Mrs. Jones for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. Wow. And that's from "What's Wrong with the World" by G.K. Chesterton. Um, that's it. I mean, I love that. That's that's it in a nutshell. That's why women really need to. Engage in apologetics more. Yeah, yeah, because this
0: this is this is your domain.
1: I think women have been traditionally we we view apologetics as the is like the Christian fight ring, right? (laughs) You know, you go in, you beat it, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris. No, you know, but you go and you debate, and it's a fight, and and there is a certain aspect of it that it is a fight but um, what is it the the, the verse it's always First uh, Peter 3.15 mm-hmm. um, you know be prepared to give an answer uh, give a reason um, for what you
0: believe for anyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is within you there you go
1: but with the, the second part yes. of that with <laughs> gentleness and reverence and I think that that gentleness aspect is something that women uniquely have. Like I, you said, something about women civilize men. Yes,
0: there is a civilizing influence that women bring. Because if you think about it, I'm, I was actually thinking about this the other day. That apologetics has become so much of a boys' club. But what do you get when you have a bunch of guys together? You get Lord of the Flies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and not that a bunch of women together don't have their own
0: problem. Oh, yeah, but, but, yeah. I don't. I don't want to be like you know yeah, totally feminist here. Don't want to be dissing on men because no. they're awesome. But there is a kind of. I mean, it, it's almost a joke of the kind of civilizing influence that yeah. happens when a bachelor becomes a married man.
1: Yeah, I love that fighting aspect of men. Um, but there is a gentleness, there is a nurturing and a gentleness that women can bring to kind of tame things down a little bit too. Because really, we're not. It's It's not about the argument. It's about winning people. And uh, time and time again, and I've engaged a lot on on Facebook with um, some atheists, and I've become friends with them. You know, some of them are precious, and I I love them dearly. But um, I've learned in the process that, you know, you have to be, you have to remember that the person that you're arguing with is a human being, yeah. and there's another quote that I love by G.K. Chesterton that you
0: know we He's are so quotable.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, well, he is, <laughs> um, but that we're all in the same boat together in this stormy sea, and so we all owe each other this
0: tragic. Um, and fierce loyalty. That's right. You have that up on your Facebook as your banner right yeah, now, Yeah, I do.
1: Because it's that idea that the the person on the other side of that debate is a human being that probably comes with a whole host of pain and hurt, sometimes at the hands of Christians. Often at the times. End. I actually, it's sad to say, but many, many times I'm seeing that. It's a very common story. Yeah. And I, I have it in my own, my own
0: um, background. None of us are immune to... We all lack tact and love at some points
1: yeah so but um sometimes we have to step back from the fighter and and, and love mm-hmm. and be gentle and and i think that's something that
0: women can bring to apologetics that hasn't been there in the past yeah yeah my husband likes to refer to it as um, kind of like a surgeon's scalpel and i want to go th- i want to unpack this at some point in one of them that the there's a difference between a surgeon's scalpel and a mugger with a knife but sometimes they can look very similar Hmm. it depends on how if that surgeon comes and he's just waving the knife around yeah
1: yeah
0: there's nothing to tell the difference between him and a mugger yeah um that the more the sharper something is you know it says that the word is sharp as a double-edged sword dividing soul and spirit is that what it is yeah yeah okay Mm -hmm. um but bones and marrow. Bones and marrow, yeah. yeah. So it's a painful process. It okay. is a painful yeah. process. And yeah. so we need to be very careful with that because if we are trying to help hurt somebody, you know, a surgeon with a scalpel, they are trying to heal Yeah. Um, and not trying to hurt. So if you don't do that right, if you have an unskilled surgeon or someone who's just off the street being like, hey, I'll cut you open, probably not good. And that might make someone scared of doctors in the, f- in the future. Yeah. Uh, and turn away from the great physician, shall we say? No, absolutely. I love that analogy. That's really good. So another facet of apologetics that I want to address is a lot of times people think it's just this intellectual debate, but one of the things that John and I get a lot when we tell people what we do is, well, if you knew everything, you wouldn't need faith. and. (laughs) <laughs> that is just oh. that drives me nuts. First um, of all, no one's ever going to know everything. I know and exactly, not omission, so. and so I don't know if that's what they think the goal of apologetics is—to know everything. I can understand how that would be a turnoff. Yeah. Um, but one of the verses that I always like to point out is from Hebrews eleven one. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's Hebrews eleven one. Mm-hmm. Um, that says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see.
1: Yeah, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not
0: see. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So my my response to them a lot of times is, shouldn't something that makes me more sure, more confident, um, more certain, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that increase my faith? That's not taking away from my faith. It's as if the more you know, the less faith you have to have. And that's just ridiculous. That's, That's a... That's a faulty view of what faith is, and I think it's a dangerous view yeah. of faith.
1: Yeah, I think, isn't it the at the end of the Gospel of John, John says, he doesn't say, okay, now everything I just wrote in the beginning of my Gospel here, just forget about it. I just want you to take a blind leap of faith and believe in Jesus. No, he wrote, I wrote these things down so that in reading them and understanding them and believing them, you may come to know Christ. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, a, it's an intellectual assent. It's not something that
0: you just do um, blindly at all. Yeah, and we we look at uh, one of the major tactics that in the New Testament, in Acts, is when Paul was going around and he was st- Reasoning in the synagogues, they were they were going through, and that at this point is with the Jews saying, "Let's look at your scripture mm-hmm. and go through all this to show how this points to Jesus." Yeah. Or when he was going around with the Greeks, he was looking around to see, "Okay, where can I start?" And he ha- he went upon the the city that had the temple was mm-hmm. it the idol or the temple to the unknown unknown god.
1: I think it was. Um...
0: It was a tomb to the unknown
1: Was God. it? Okay.
0: Yeah. But was he, it a tomb? I'll have to look it up. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he starts with that and says, uh, you know, he, he starts applauding them. I see that you're very religious people. I see that you have all these things. And I see that you have this idol to an unknown God, but what is unknown to you? Let me be make known to you. And then he reasoned with them mm-hmm. into the belief. Oh, it's altars. To altars. The yeah. Okay, it's mm-hmm. an altar. And I think we kind of have that same thing now that... People want to rely just on experience. I had this experience, but th- this goes back to what do you do when your child says, "If you've if you've taught your children that you know Christ," I mean, yes, there is an experiential component to it, but if that's all you have, what do they do to distinguish between uh, a Mormon who says, "You know, I've I've felt the burning, burning in my bosom," or uh, someone who's had an experience with uh, with Buddhism or with Hinduism? There's a lot of Religions that do have experience at the core, how can they distinguish between yeah. those? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it, and it's not just you. You need the
1: experiential aspect because when you have someone that just has all the knowledge, you, someone can have a lot of knowledge and not really know Christ. Yes, so yeah. So you know, there, there's a balance between there between the two, and and I think I, I but I still think so much we've got to know. I mean. The, it, how do you love someone you don't know when when you get to know someone it takes time and and you learn so much about them and as you learn more about them you 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 love them more yeah. you learn to
0: love them more and um yeah if your husband didn't know anything about you I mean, that wouldn't feel very fulfilling. Yeah, he loves me, but he didn't know anything about me. I want to be <laughs> yeah. around you, but just don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when yeah. I think you and I were talking about this. Uh, one of my friends from college, her parents, they have a very unusual story that uh, she was from Brazil, he was from America, and they met, I can't remember where they met, but she didn't speak any English and he didn't speak any Portuguese, but they, got, they met and they fell in love and they got married within like three days. Wow. So I think a lot of times people experiences, and that's that's okay if you really want to commit there, but what would their marriage have been like if he never learned to speak any Portuguese and she never learned to speak any English? Right. And I think a lot of Christians, that's where their faith... It would be a pretty shallow relationship. Yeah, right? it would be a very shallow relationship. Yeah. And part of experience is getting to know someone for yourself. Now, there's a, a man that... Um, John and I know that he and his wife has have been kind of spiritual parents to us, and not that our, our parents are awesome, um, but these ones just happen to go to the church that we're at and have been in small group with us. But something that they always say, and I love it, is uh, I can hear Rock's voice saying, "God has no grandchildren." Mm, I and love that. yeah, and that great. It's just the idea is like if you stop and think about it, we can't pass our experiences on to our child. we can't pass our love onto there. We can't pass, there's a lot of things we can't pass. That child has to discover God for himself your child has to become a child of God. They're not going to be a child of God through you.
1: Well, and there, and and I like the idea of thinking of each individual person is a universe. Yeah. And when someone dies, a universe dies with them. Mm. A universe of all their daily experiences that no one person can experience with them. Even their spouse, you know, the closest person you can think of. Um, Is just they're totally unique, and they're going to have totally unique things in their lives that they're going to need to have a real relationship with Christ to be able to weather storms that are going to come in their life that you can't go through with them as a parent. And, And eventually, you know, you will die, and your your child hopefully will live beyond you, and and they're gonna they're gonna have to have their own faith to sustain them. And then ultimately, I love the idea of. I'm not going to be standing before Christ holding Hannah or Rachel's hand, my daughter's. You know, they're going to be standing before him and uh, alone. And um, I want them to really know him.
0: Yeah. Not, not through me. Um, there was a woman who was actually, I kind of consider the first mama bear, because uh, it was probably her was one of the people that really inspired me towards this. Her name's Jody Weiss. I hope she doesn't mind me saying her name on here. Um, I'm hoping to for us to interview her at one point, but she was in an apologetics class at my parents' church that had asked John and I to come in just to kind of lend some support. And at one point, she got up, and she's kind of started sharing her story, which was uh, she had raised her children in a Christian home, and her son went off to college, and I can't remember if it was when he was in college or when he was in the workforce, one of the two, I think he's an engineer, that he came home and finally said, I I don't believe in God anymore. And Uh at that point, she was the one, like I I told you, that you just, where did this come from? No, Uh it was a process. Um, And she said, well, okay, let's talk about this. She didn't freak out. I mean, she did freak out, but um, she addressed the problems with him and she said, okay, what are your questions? And so Mm -hmm. he would tell her some of the questions and she would say, I don't know the answers to that right now, but next time you come home, I will. Mm -hmm. And so he would go back and then the next time he came home, she would have a list of stuff that she had researched. I love that. I know. She was so inspiring. And so then he'd have a few more, and so go off. She'd find those. And this woman has taught herself apologetics to the point of uh, she did a teaching series. Um, I called her actually when I decided that we were going to do Mama Bear, and I called her. I, I found got her number from my uh, from the church, and I called her. And her her son still hasn't come back. But she taught a series called. Uh, it was called the prodigal series and it was for parents whose children had walked away. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was just kind of telling me some stories of what she's done with even some of the Sunday schools that, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about. (laughs) Yeah. We need to definitely (laughs) discuss Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But she was saying how she went into a fifth grade Sunday school room. And so she asked the kids, many of who had grown up in the church and said, are these just stories or are they real? Wow. And a majority of the kids said these are just stories. I was taught that way. Yeah. Yeah. In in fact, uh, we'll also devote another podcast to this. Uh, I think it's Answers in Genesis in their book, Almost Gone. They've actually found a correlation with Sunday school attendance and lack of a biblical worldview. (sighs) Wow. That you would think would be the opposite. You'd think the more Sunday school, the more close to a biblical worldview. They've actually found an opposite correlation. So. What she did with this group of fifth graders when they all said, oh, they're just stories. And she said, okay, you know, rolled up her sleeves and she went and got a globe. And then she sat down. She said, okay, open your Bibles to X passage. And they opened them up and she turned that globe. And she said, see that, that city that's right here. Wow. And then they went to another one. And she said, see that one right there that happened right here. Yeah. And part of apologetics is what is going to make this real to someone, yeah. And that's going to be different things for different people. There's some people like me that I needed the intellectual stuff to mm-hmm. be able to say, "Wow, this is real." But we can't say everybody's like that, but we also can't say nobody's like that. I think the church right now is kind of acts like nobody's like that that if if you have intellectual questions, it's just cuz you don't want to believe in you know, you have problems with your faith and, and we won't throw our pearls before swine and um, <laughs> you should hear
1: some of this stuff. It's really bad. That makes me actually that makes me really mad.
0: Yeah. I'm angry. Yeah. Um, But what makes it real to them? And so that's, I think, another way that women are really good is we kind of have a little bit of that EQ, that emotional Mm -hmm. intuition into people to see what is the problem that's going on here. I remember being with John, a friend of ours out in South Carolina said, I have a friend that really wants to talk to you. She had a whole bunch of questions that, you know, had gotten past where our friends Liz and Donovan could answer. And so we came in. And so the girl sat down in front of John and she just started firing questions. And before John could finish the answer, she'd have another one and another one. And finally, um, he said, is that all? And she stopped and she said, well, I don't know. No one's ever gotten this far with me before. Oh, wow. And, yeah. (sighs) And as we were on the way home, John and I started talking about the difference between intellectual doubt and emotional doubt. Yeah. And the, even though there, there is an intellectual doubt out there, sometimes, actually a lot of times, the intellectual doubt is a smokescreen yeah. for an emotional doubt. Somebody who was really trying to look for the answers, and that was their problem, would stop and listen to the answers. Like uh, the same conference you were at, um, I had a great conversation with uh, that, that one guy, and he found me on Facebook and asked me a couple questions uh, regarding... Uh, macro evolution, mm-hmm. And so I went through just, uh, it wasn't a lot of information, but I went through some of the evidences that I believe that said, well, genetics doesn't really point towards that or it does up until a certain point mm-hmm. and then beyond that. You're the weaknesses. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was just, it, it was. it was basically like an evangelist having someone coming up and begging them to tell them <laughs> about Jesus and then accepting Christ on the spot. He just needed to have those questions yeah. answered to have them dignified and to have someone who actually had studied this... Yeah. He was, um, he was hungry for answers, and he wasn't finding it. He didn't know where to go. Yeah. 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 And uh, he was saying, wow, so what's his name? Uh, the one that they, the Cosmos series, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, Carl's, Well, well Carl's the original. Yeah. yeah, and then Neil deGrasse Tice, he's like, wow, so Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't right. It's not a fact. And I was like.
1: Yeah, that Cosmos <laughs> is propaganda. Really, we need to. It's a propaganda for naturalism. It is and a propaganda. It's not a bad show, but if you can teach your children how to see the world view coming through
0: um, you know it that's it, important yeah and well I'm sure you and I will devote a considerable <sighs> amount of time for for everybody out there Rebecca and I. Our science nerds, <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and claim that title. We've uh, become comfortable with who we are. So yeah. you, you have your major. You majored in biochemistry, correct? Yeah,
1: I, I majored in biochemistry, and um, I, I, I originally wanted to be an English major. And my father said, "What are you going to do with that?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm going to enjoy reading and writing." And and then I kind of thought, "Well, you know, they'll probably make me come out of the 19th century," and that's. I, I, that's like where I'm stuck in reading. So <laughs> I, I don't want to read any modern stuff. So anyway, I went into science and um, majored in biochemistry. And then when I graduated, um, I was going through some pretty big things in life. So I decided to hold off on graduate school. But I went to um, work at the graduate school I wanted to eventually attend. I worked at UT Southwestern. and worked in the lab that I wanted to do my graduate work in. Um, it was in exocrystallography, which is...
0: Oh, that's that's the original picture that they discovered uh, the shape of DNA. Yeah. I wasn't looking at DNA. I was
1: studying proteins. <gasps> and
0: protein's Yeah. My favorite. I know. That's how you and I bonded. As Map kinases. Oh. So anyway, I don't
1: know if this is foreign and sounds crazy to people, but yeah, I, I, and I loved it. I did it for four years. And um, uh, I mean, I I mean, I, I I take that back. I did not love a lot of the lab work. I did not lo- love working with bacteria, but I love all the theoretical aspects. And actually, I felt closest to the Lord when I was studying, when I was contending with these. Very unstable little proteins that I was trying to crystallize, and um, I just was, you know, people quote, you know, Psalm nineteen, the heavens declare the glory of God, and I and I would think to myself, and so do protein molecules. They do, <laughs> they do. They are beautiful, and especially when you get them to crystallize, and the kind we represent them in these neat, I don't know, maybe we'll put it up on the the web sometime. You know, ribbon diagrams that are very artistic. They are very great. artistic. So, um, but I, I didn't end up pursuing my graduate degrees. I ended up getting married and um, then pretty quickly having children and um, both my husband and I felt pretty strongly about me staying home Mm -hmm. one of us staying home definitely you know me really because he was earning money and um, um, so but yeah so that's that's my background Very cool. And I'm hoping to go back to school in the fall um, and earn a master's in apologetics from HBU. Very
0: good. And I know that I've done a lot of study in intelligent design. And so one of my goals was, okay, I've learned all this stuff from the intelligent design. And we'll we'll have a podcast discussing that. But I wanted to see what a secular college would have to say. So I'm currently getting my master's in biology right now. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome because I got to see, I got to have this conversation with this kid And have him say, I mean, basically, (laughs) that I had refuted Neil deGrasse Tyson, saved his faith, like all in, you know, two paragraphs of answers. But I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been studying. So I've actually printed out that conversation, and I have it next to my desk with the title, Keep Studying, It Matters. it's making a difference so that was i don't know that was like the best day ever yeah, <laughs> the other day awesome. that'll keep me studying for a year when it when feels times like, get rough when times get <laughs> rough and it feels like there's no fruit and you're like oh why am i studying this that's why i'm studying it so i think we should probably end there oh there's so much okay let's talk just real quickly about some of the things that we want to address in future podcasts just to get people excited
1: I think one of the most important things, and I think it's, but you mentioned Cosmos and Neil deGrasse Tyson, is this idea that there's a conflict between science and faith, mm-hmm. and um, I think that um, that's just a that uh, that's a big scary thing for people, mm-hmm. and I, I think we can definitely show people that there isn't, and um, you can equip your children to go in with their little worldview glasses and do like what you did with this young man and say, okay, up to here is where we have the evidence. And then this is where the scientists are going beyond the evidence yes. and they're using philosophy. Yeah. And and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Stephen Hawking, they do that all the time and they don't even realize it. Um,
0: I, I can't imagine how they couldn't realize it. And I know that it's like they act like they don't, but man, it just seems so obvious to me of like, this is where the evidence stops and beyond this is speculation anyway so we'll go into a whole thing about naturalism and just the idea that the world is all there is the natural is all there is there is no supernatural and if there is there's no way to study it there's no way to know truth from there
1: and the basic thing is science is not antagonistic to Mm -mm. to christian belief naturalism is yes materialism is those those um those philosophies that undergird a lot of scientists approaches yeah that is what is antagonistic and so being able to um divide that out of the equation it's it's very helpful
0: yeah if you can teach them how to separate that so another one that i know for a fact i want to do Well, and it's probably going to be something that comes up every year for as long as you and I can be together, (laughs) Um, is that the evidences for the resurrection, because if there is one thing that you're going to become a specialist in, it needs to be the evidences for the resurrection, because Paul is very clear that if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain, and we are to be pitied Mm -hmm. above everybody.
1: Yeah, and that's First Corinthians 15, I believe.
0: Is it? Yeah. I'm so bad with locations, but... I yeah. just uh, happened to hear that recently. So, yeah. <laughs> good, you got a good memory. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one I want to address. I'll be doing some work with a couple different ministries on the youth exodus from the church and kind of taking um, surveys and research, kind of from the pa- for the past thirty years or so, is where some of them some of them started, even in the late sixties, maybe early seventies, that look at what is going on with. Uh, kids in the faith, and so we're gonna probably devote a lot of time to that. Because if there's anything that's gonna make these, that's gonna make parents just kind of say, oh, this is something I need to do." It's gonna looking sh- at the numbers, yeah, seeing the
1: statistics. Yep, and, the yeah. numbers are scary. Yeah, and I think um, another one is the problem of evil. Ooh, I, it's so funny because I mean, it's not funny. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually it's just a reality that um, we all. We all struggle with this question, and it's a it's an area that God stretches us a well, lot. Won't you explain what that is? The problem of evil is just why is there evil and suffering in this world? If God is good, why does He allow evil and suffering? Yeah. And um, I, I, time and time again, I when I interact with atheists, I find that they have a lot of, you know, intellectual problems here, intellectual problems here. But when it gets down to the heart of it, it is it is just so much evil and suffering, mm-hmm. and. You know, in our in our modern world, I think we we're not as equipped to deal with
0: suffering, to handle suffering, maybe as um, they were hundreds of years ago. Well, because we're not used to it. I, I, (coughs) You probably don't have over in the Middle East. They they're aware that the evil's going on, but like a lot of times when you were really in suffering, like when it's just kind of a normal thing in the in the society. Well, you know how to handle it, and you don't question it as much because they don't expect. I mean. I mean, talk about, a lot of times people can lose their faith because they've put their hope in a promise that God didn't make. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God wants everybody to be wealthy. He wants everybody to be well. Not to be sick. I mean, if, if that were what I was hanging my hat on, we're talking John and I. That doesn't st- sound like pick up your cross and follow me? Yeah, exactly. The cross was a
1: pretty awful way to die. Actually, it's probably one of the worst ways to die. Yeah, so, yes. if, if you um,
0: want to hang your hat on a promise of God, you, he, He's promised that you will have trial and suffering
1: yeah. and tribulation in, this in your world, life. You
0: will have. Trials and tribulations, yeah. but fear not.
1: I am with you. I've overcome the world already. I have already. overcome the world. Yeah, Jesus told us that. That comes from the mouth of our God. Yeah. <laughs> so why should we expect uh, any less yeah. than that? Yeah. And so the problem you evil and suffering, and actually it kind of correlates with this, this science and religion thing. um if you, there's a lady named Elaine Eklund, who a sociologist who went and questioned scientists that were atheists, and I, I believe this is this is how she did it. But what she, basically, her results were. That the guys that were atheists in the science were not atheists because of the science. They were atheists before they entered the science. I believe it. And many of the reasons why they were atheists were the same reasons why other people outside of the science were atheists. They were they either went through um, some bad experiences with Christians or in churches they were hurt, mm-hmm. or they you know had tremendous suffering in their life, or they it was the suffering of the world that just so it was and 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 it, it wasn't the you know, one thing we should talk about, when we talk about the problem of evil, and I think this is something I've learned from Dr. William Lane Craig, um, a, a Christian apologist that was has been extremely influential for me, um, you can divide it into the logical problem of evil and the um, emotional problem of evil. Yes. And the emotional problem of evil is just, that's that's what is,
0: you know, causing a lot of people to go into atheism. And, and um, I can understand that. I think that's one of the ones where if there's an area that you kind of do really that's where most of your faith goes is going to be yeah. that why is this happening and uh, Dr. Clay Jones actually I've mentioned him before he did his dissertation on the problem of evil and oh. I recorded that talk for you and you haven't heard it yet I
1: know, I, I told you about it, it. yeah um, I, I wanna, this is something that, that was a struggle for me when I was in my period of doubt too um, I, I really had to reconcile this evil and suffering and um I had it, it hit me really hard as a parent, harder than it hit me as a immortal college student. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of a sudden I had these living entities that I had to keep alive. You know, but also if something happened to them a part of me would be ripped out. And I, I really, all of a sudden I, I I had this understanding of parents who lose children and, and just all this stuff. It was just, I had to understand, um, you know, how do I reconcile this with a good God? Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a very big one that will come to time and and, and not only will this help us with our children, but this will help us in our own faith. Because we're all going to go through it,
0: you know? I mean, it's just... And not just one time. We can probably guarantee that we've gone through it in the past, and even you and I, I guarantee next couple of weeks it's probably going to come up again it's not yeah. something that's ever going to go to go away whether if it's happening in our own lives or it's happening in the world at large like this you know amtrak that just you know
1: yeah went off track and killed seven people and you know just and the in the nepal the the earthquakes in nepal how do you yeah. reconcile these natural
0: disasters with a good god good yeah. and loving god so yeah yeah one of the things that uh dr clay jones said that i loved is that um not that i love because i'm happy but he talked about how god told adam and eve when you eat of the fruit you shall surely die and we've been attending funerals ever since yeah and i mean that's just kind of the reality of it and just the fact that people know that we weren't created for this world to me testifies of i mean animals don't seem to notice yeah (laughs) we're the ones that notice yeah and and like uh my pastor used to say you usually don't see a dog that throws down his bone and says there's gotta be more to life than this yeah you don't see god dogs committing suicide yeah like just for you know not being able to handle life because of all the pain and suffering no that's something that's distinctly human yeah and it's because we were created for another place yeah and um and so, in some ways, that can work for, uh, I think when C.S. Lewis was talking about that when we have desires, it's probably because there is a, a, a place and a time that they're meant to be uh, met. Is that the word? It's like, you know, we have hunger. Fulfilled. because yeah. we Yeah, fulfilled. We have hunger because we know there's food. We're thirsty, and we know that there's water. We desire to live eternally. Why would we have that if that were not something that were already built into us naturally? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone through a whole lot of stuff here, and I might have to divide this into two. <laughs> yeah, <that's fine. laughs> we'll see how long. But uh, I would like to end every Mama Bear podcast with just a prayer uh, for the for the ladies out there, and just to keep going, to keep studying, and just uh, just a word of blessing. So, would you like to pray? Sure, absolutely. Enjoy. Father God, thank you so
1: much for your goodness and um, your love for us. And thank you for just giving us minds that we can use, and hearts, and um, how they work together to come to know you more and to grow in our faith and our our dependence on you, Lord, our trust in you. I just want to lift up all the ladies listening, and just pray that that they were encouraged by our words, and that they are excited about apologetics. Um, that that we were able to communicate to them the value and the need for this as as mothers, uh, particularly um, for their children. And thank you for this sister and her vision for Mama Bear. And we just entrust it to you. This is your this is your work, and we want to honor you. Um, and we pray these things in our precious Savior's name, our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mama Bear's out. Mama Bear out. <laughs>
0: This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. Have you been stumped by your kids already? Or maybe you have a nagging question of your own that you think would make a good podcast.
1: Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we will do our best.
0: Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.